It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Fantasy Points Podcast. Myself, Wes Huber, breaking down the top running backs in this class, or at least how high I have them ranked in my pre-combine, pre-pro day rookie model. That article's out. The wide receiver article's out. You could listen to the wide receiver version of the article, I don't know, in a few days. Tight ends, we did that a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago. But that's out. You can listen to that too. Here are unanimous uh, love for Kyle Pitts, the GOAT. Um, And Wes, before we dive in, support for Fantasy Points is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Be obsessed over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners 20% off plus free shipping with promo code FP2021. That's FP2021 at manscaped.com. Please use that promo code. Uh, You'd be helping us out a a lot. Uh, This is a, you know, a great sponsor and an exciting sponsor. They they shipped me uh, some stuff just the other day. Uh, You know, it's kind of messed up that like, you know, your girlfriends are, you know, buying expensive razors or they're either going for expensive Brazilian waxes, which, you know, has to be painful. I feel like the least you can do as your boyfriend her her boyfriend or husband is, you know, get this subscription from Manscaped FP 2021 at manscaped.com. It's the least you could do. And you're, you'd be helping out fantasypoints.com, one of their, one of their uh, uh, advertisers. So definitely look into that. Appreciate the chance to to talk about talk about hairy balls on a podcast. You, you love to see that. Um, and then uh, uh, there's some interesting NFL news, and we could be the first ones to break that down live on radio. That was Sam Darnold getting traded to the Carolina Panthers for, I believe, a fourth this year, a fourth next year, and also a second round next year. Uh, Wes, what are your thoughts on that trade? What are your immediate thoughts? That's quite a haul. It's more than I would have given up for Darnold. And, you know, they obviously, there's some, some news out there that the Falcons are looking to trade out of four. So, yeah, they obviously didn't feel like going for the gold there and trying to secure a cornerstone. Instead, they're going to, they're going to, you know, run the tires on Darnold and see if there's, if there's still something there. I'm not, I'm not saying I, I, I'm completely down on Darnold, but it's, it's not as exciting as, as, you know, some of their other options in my opinion. So I think a few things, by the way, just to clarify, it's a 2021 sixth rounder and in 2022, a second and a fourth. Um, just immediately, I'll agree with you. I do think that was a good haul for for Darnold. Daniel Jeremiah had a tweet where he said, if he could rank all the quarterbacks in this class and include Darnold, he had Darnold QB3 behind Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. I, that was pretty shocking to me. Just the numbers. Wes is laughing. So, yeah, I, I think that was surprising to him as well. Just looking at the numbers, uh, Darnold ranks 33rd of th- 33 quarterbacks in PFF pass grade. 41 of 41 quarterbacks and adjusted net yards per attempt since entering the league from a fantasy perspective though. I mean, could this be another situation like Ryan Tannehill leaving Adam Gase and then putting up, you know, borderline MVP type numbers. And this is, this is going from an Adam Gase offense to a Joe Brady offense. So, you know, there, there's some life uh, left in him yet. And, you know, Rappaport's out here tweeting, that's the starter. And now the Panthers are either going to look to trade Teddy Bridgewater or, you know, restructure his, his, his salary. But yeah, inter- interesting to say the least. Any, any final thoughts on that? 
No, I, I mean, we'll see. He was obviously playing, playing for the Jets, so I guess it's, it's a little unfair to, to you know, stick a fork in him after that situation. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's great for his upside, and we'll see how it goes. I, I, do, not, I do not think we're going to see a Ryan Tannehill-type turnaround right away, um, but we'll see. It's definitely not the same player. I don't think Sam Darnold is the top five quarterback. I do think Ryan Tannehill is. Ryan Tannehill, top five quarterback. Damn, top I mean, he's, quarterback. he certainly put up those numbers. Um, but yeah, and your other point is, I think, completely correct. I think now we're looking at Atlanta's either taking a quarterback. I think that's more likely, uh, or they're they're looking to trade down, and you know. Teams are hesitant to, to, to make that trade because who knows who the 49ers are going to take. But, um, and you know, if it's Mac Jones, maybe there's a bigger haul, bigger haul there. I, I, I was mocking hits there. I just didn't think, you know, the quarterback, I mean, the, the head coach, Arthur Smith, who, you know, got nearly 100 catches out of Delaney Walker uh, back when he was his tight ends coach. I, I, I didn't think he could pass on that, but yeah, I mean, I mean, now it's looking like we might see five quarterbacks in the first seven picks, and the Panthers are fully aware of that fact and are like, "Well, we got to get a quarterback." But I, they'll get a quarterback, and then look, ideally, you know, they'll get one of Chase, Penny Sewell, or Pitts, and you, you know, you got to be happy with that. No question, especially if Pitts lasts that long. I mean, that would be. That would pretty be ideal for their, their situation to replace Ian Thomas. That's an easy replacement. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be crying about that other than Ian Thomas. <laughs> All right, well, let's dive into my running back model. First guy up in a tier by himself, Najee Harris. Uh, according to my model, He's not only the top running back in this class, but he's the fourth best running back prospect to come out since 2014. That top five is McCaffrey, number one, Melvin Gordon, number two, Jonathan Taylor, three, then Harris, then Derrick Henry. And again, that's not how I'd rank these running backs. It's just based on college production alone, not factoring in the pro day or combine just yet. He would be uh, the RB4. Uh, you want to give the folks at home some background on Najee Harris? Yeah, so five-star running back, something you, you don't hear about very often. It's, it's not a moniker or, or a ranking that the scouting, the high school scouts throw around. And, uh, and, it, and it, was, it was deserved. The way, the way we saw him at Alabama last season was exactly the way he played his opponents at Antioch in California. And it, it was... It was a man amongst boys. So, um, you know, if you if you played college fantasy last year, college DFS, Najee Harris was. I mean, he was he was your Bo Jackson in in Tecmo Bowl. He was ridiculous. Yeah. So one thing with him is he is an older prospect. He played all four years in college. That's something my model. Uh, typically dings a prospect for, and I, it did ding him slightly based on age and being a four-year prop, but I mean, still, still elite, elite overall. Uh, Etienne, same concern, although he's younger by a full year, Javante, a full year younger than him. But uh, I mean, he got a consensus round, round two grade uh, as a junior. So you can't really ding him for that. But, but what was it with Harris where I guess he wasn't really on the NFL's radar and then now he's the consensus RB one per you know most talent evaluators, draft experts you'll talk to. Yeah, it was. I'm I'm sure it was a similar situation where he went to the draft board and and he had an evaluation and they they it's you know probably not something he's throwing around, but they probably gave him a grade that he wasn't wasn't. Really yeah, so I'm just saying, and, I'm just saying, like, was his 2019 tape not that great? But 2020 was just on a completely different level. No, it wasn't that it wasn't great. It was that it wasn't as consistent. The early in the season, he uh, he didn't play as well. But then uh, I think it was like over the f- last five games, he he really burst out. It was like the Najee we saw in twenty twenty, um, and and so I think I think it was more that he wanted to come back and have a consistent year. Plus plus they ended on a down note, you know, 
and uh, uh, similar situation with Devonta Smith. They wanted to come back and, and finish out their Alabama careers and, and do something special. Well, it seems to be a smart decision by him. He was absolutely absurd in 2020. He ranked either first or top three in yards from scrimmage, rushing touchdowns, total touchdowns, first downs, route run, missed tackles forced, uh, targets, receptions, receiving yards, rushing yards, yards after contact, uh, yards after the catch. Just, just completely absurd 2020 season. And so here at Fantasy Points, you know where I stand on running backs. You know where where Graham stands, where, where I think you stand as well, Wes, is that for fantasy, you really want a bell cow running back. You want a running back who's going to play every single down, not going to be stuck in a committee, is is featured as both a runner and a receiver. And that's why he was head and shoulders above everyone else. I, I think Etienne can be a bell cow in the NFL, but a lot more people are divided on that. Javante, it's like, okay, he's definitely a workhorse running back, which means he should see a lot of touches, but maybe not a lot of targets. Uh, Although I think there's untapped potential there, but with Harris, to me, there's almost no question. And you just see that in, you know, FBS records or in in total touchdowns. So uh, amazing numbers at the goal line, uh, hyper productive and hyper efficient as a pass catcher great as a runner. And you see that in the comps as well. You know, Lance Zierlein comped him to Steven Jackson. I've seen them a few spots, I've seen Matt Forte as well. Um, what, what are your, he was, he was, uh, um, he posted a 1400 rushing yard, 400 receiving yard season. And like, if you look at the running backs who've done that, Etienne has done that, but it's like McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Clyde Edwards, Lair, and those are the only power five running backs since 2015 besides him and Etienne. Uh, so really just this statistical profile to me looks looks great. What what are your thoughts on those comps? What did you see on on tape as far as his bell cow potential? Oh, there's no question. I mean, he's got the size. Definitely can uh, absorb the pounding and you know, I did some I did some athletic uh, research into combine history and so Najee Harris the 81-inch wingspan that he was measured with uh, almost a seven footers wingspan is the widest since at least over the past eight seasons that I've checked. Um, and you know, we, there's, there's been a lot of, I mean, you know, for obvious reasons, Kyle Pitts has gotten a lot of press for his 83 and a half inch wingspan, which actually wasn't the top wingspan. Steven Sullivan had an 85 inch tied in last year. So, uh, you know, some, some bogus reports being tossed around out there, but the Najee Harris legitimately number one on the list. And I also did some research w- w- with the correlation to production. Um, and uh, there was a 20, 22% increase in total yards per season from all running backs over those eight seasons. Um, when they were, when they measured out above the 80th percentile in wingspan, so um, I, I think that's that's a, you know definitely a plus. Uh, it definitely helps his receiving ability, which is is a, is a major factor for him and his three down potential. And um, funny enough, the the three guys behind him, Derrick Henry, Bo, Bo Scarborough, and Alvin Kamara, all former Alabama running backs. <coughs> yeah. Uh, and, and you really see the the Steven Jackson comparison. That kind of makes sense when, you know, they're both between 6'2 and 6'3, 230 and 240 pounds. But, I mean, Steven Jackson was so rare in that he was such a capable receiver at that size. And you, you don't really see that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that just hints at Najee Harris's, you know, unparalleled bell cow potential where he should be able to really withstand a beating in terms of total touches. And he can contribute in the passing game. And then, like I said, hyper-efficient at the goal line. Um, next running back on our list, Travis Etienne. Uh, I actually liked him a little bit more than my model did. My model had him ranked as the second best running back in the class and the 13th best prospect running back prospect to come out since 2014. He ranks yeah, right in between J.K. Dobbins and, and Clyde Edwards Elair. If you look at the numbers, which I'll get into, hyper-efficient to, to a point that, you know, maybe more hyper-efficient than any running back we've seen in about eight draft classes or more. 
ridiculously hyper-efficient. Why he ranked by Harris in my model is just, it, it questioned the, the bell cow potential. And you see that in his just, I mean, how many games has he had with 16 or more touches? There weren't many. But a major factor there is that Clemson routinely benches their starters at the halftime. But in games that mattered, in games that were close, you know, in the postseason, Etienne, you know, he wasn't seeding a single snap or a single touch to any of the other running backs in that backfield. And when the score was in within seven points, he, he had 76% of Clemson's backfield touches. So that's like a really high number and that hints at, a, at bell cow potential. So I like him a little bit more than my model, but you want to give the background on, on Etienne from a, I know you've been covering this guy for a while from a Debbie perspective. Yeah. And, and it's, it's true. He, he definitely took a seat early quite a bit too. And one of the other issues is when they, when Trevor Lawrence had the passing game going, you know, when he was, when he was tossing dimes, uh, you know, two, two plays, two play scores, ETM was getting nothing on drives and, you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm packing him around on my college rosters and, and that was painful, you know, cause you know what he can do in these matchups, but yeah, so he comes, comes from Jennings high school is actually his, his younger brother is going to be a top recruit in the 22 class. Um, and uh, he, he actually didn't, uh, didn't get the, the, the attention that he wanted. It's not a top, it's not a top college. And, so you know some of the some of the Louisiana schools down there, they're definitely regretting that decision, uh, watching him do what he did. But um, yeah, so he, like you said, he came out, he he got his draft grade, and and it wasn't where he wanted it to be. Came back and and proved to him he's top top receiving receiving back in this class, in my opinion. Um, and and I, I'm his vision as a receiver is unquestioned. I mean, it's easily the best in the class, uh, better than Najee Harris. And um, yeah, I mean, so the, the difference between the, these guys at the top is so slim. It's, it's not even, I mean, we're just splitting hairs with these guys, but um, yeah, ETN, he played when he was at Jennings, it was more of a, it's more of a triple option uh, wing, wing back, type offense so he didn't have any receiving production there they just didn't pass the ball and when he came up to Clemson they didn't pass the ball to him they just I don't think they realized what they had uh, so we, he didn't really even uh, do any didn't he, do any of his receiving work till his junior season so I thought that was really interesting um, they had some major changes at, on, along the offensive line as a senior so that that played a big role yeah. So when he, when he was a junior, you know, a lot of people thought he would declare for the, the draft, myself included, and he got a consensus round two grade and chose to come back to school. They asked him why he stayed, he stayed and he quote unquote, I wasn't leaving for no second round draft grade. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes in the first this year, but he was told he needed to work on improving as a receiver. What happened? He led all running backs and receiving yards uh, basically doubled his receiving yard per game average from 28.8 to 49.0. Uh, and just, again, just looking at the numbers he put up. So uh, his 7.25 career yards per carry average ranks behind only Melvin Gordon and Reggie Bush since 2000 among power five running backs. Uh, just absurd, absurd numbers. Uh, best in my database at one of my favorite stats, depth adjusted yards per target over expectation ranks just ahead of Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, elite numbers by yards after contact per reception, missed tackles force per reception, uh, numbers that, that really hint at uh, a running back's potential as a pass catcher in the NFL. And then, you know, the best yards after contact per attempt season in 2019, tons of missed tackles forced which is like one of the strongest variables in my model. Uh, you know, uh, c- can he be a, a, a goal line back? Is he going to score touchdowns? He scored in 45 of 55 career games. That's an FBS record. Uh, just, just everything I'm looking at really screams at, you know, this guy is special. But what's interesting is Graham didn't love him. Graham, you know, his yards created data will, will be out soon. He has Javante over... Uh, Travis Etienne, but I mean, I, I'm bullish on his bell cow potential, and yeah, I think this is a really special talent. I don't think there's there's that much of a difference um, to be that surprised that that Graham has 
uh, Javante above him. I, I mean, I I have four guys that are that are pretty pretty close. I think I think though with with Najee, he's just he's just a monster. So I I think he's he's easily number one. I have a funny story. So you brought up the Stephen Jackson comp for um, for Najee. So Kyron Williams, uh, Notre Dame running back. When he was growing up, he, his that was his childhood hero. He loved Stephen Jackson, so he would wear his his Rams jersey around town with his uh, his sister's Dora the Explorer wig underneath a Rams helmet, going around pretending to be Stephen Jackson. I found that pretty amusing. So they 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 called him Kyron the Siren because he was he would go around just making all kinds of noise. Um, but yeah, <laughs> with with Etienne, the thing I do uh-huh. like about uh, the you know even coming back and playing another season he's he's still only entering the NFL with 684 carries. I mean look at Brees Hall you know, he's only been at Iowa State for two years and he's already up to to 280 or I'm sorry um 464. So uh, you know it and and kind of think uh, Travis Etienne he's the all time leading rusher in the ACC. He's only got 200 more yards than Brees Hall. Uh, who didn't even play the entire his entire first season for for the Cyclones? So uh, the wear on the tires. I mean, he's he he's he's still got a lot of tread, and he's going to enter the NFL with with a reputation as a receiver. Um, you know, he was he was a situational guy at the goal line, had a forty eight percent success rate with eleven personnel, only twenty three percent with heavy personnel. So um, it it's a situation oh, where. He needs to fall in the right, on, into the right offense and have a have a coordinator that knows how to use him uh, properly. Another thing is um, uh, he had a seventy nine percent success rate with uh, inside zone and uh, only only nine percent with outside zone. So we also you know want to see him fall into an inside zone offense and uh, you know things like that. But uh, uh, I, I love his potential. I, I love his vision. His vision as a receiver is great, but it's also great when he's at the goal line because he likes to spy on those those edge defenders when he's running inside zone, and he'll he'll look at those inside gaps and and try to feint that he's going that direction. As soon as he sees that edge defender jump inside and give up contain, he jumps it jumps it back to the outside and just walks into the end zone, which is what exactly what you want to see. Etienne is he's the real deal he's going to be he's going to be a big name probably somebody that's going to end his career close to um you know hall of fame potential uh wouldn't go that far but uh you know he's going to put up some numbers is basically what I'm saying yeah it's interesting you you kind of get a bunch of different opinions when you survey the the talent evaluators in this industry yet some people say hey you know I, I don't I don't know that he could be a bell cow, but he's at the very least an elite change of pace back, phenomenal home run hitter. You see that in his statistics, one of the best home run hitters to come out in a while. You see that in his you know, pro day, 4-4-1, 4-4-3, 40 yard dash times. Um, and then you have other guys you know, coming out saying, hey, you know, I think he might have Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara upside as a, as a three down running back who's also very special in the passing game. That's what uh, Bucky Brooks said. And so it's interesting to see everyone all over the place, but again, Harris doesn't have those questions. I'm bullish. um, But, and Graham's not really, uh, but let's look at the the third running back, according to my model, which is Javante Williams. Again, he's maybe he just turned 21 or he's yet to turn 21, but it's a full year younger than Etienne. Who's a full year younger than Harris. He ranks just two spots behind Etienne in my model. But again, I'm a little more bullish on Etienne than my model. But still, I mean, Javante, 15th best since 2014. That's eight draft classes. So he should be the RB2 in a typical class. And, uh, you know, my model liked a bunch of different things with him. But most importantly, it was just elite at forcing missed tackles, breaking missed tackles, gaining hard yards after contact. Those are among the most predictive variables in my, in my, in my model. And he was really elite at it. He had the, you know, the best, um, best career missed tackles forced per touch. His 2020 season was the best season since 2014 by missed tackles forced per touch, uh, elite yards after contact numbers. Uh, and you really see that on tape, man, is this guy fun on tape in the same way that 
you know, Marshawn Lynch was fun on tape uh, in his ability to break ta- tackles. When you when you educate the folks at home about uh, Javante's background and, and your thoughts on him. Yeah, I love me some Javante, but I think I think that's a, a universal opinion. Um, he is, and I think that's part of the problem. I think, I think when you have somebody, when you have guys like Najee and, and Etienne, I think, I think we can start getting a little bored with them because we already, we've already seen what they can do. We've, you know, and they've been talked about over and over and over. It's just like, okay, let's just, let's get them into the NFL. Now let's see some new stuff. I want to see some new blood. We, that's, that's where we have Javante Williams because, uh, you know, he, he did well last year. But I wasn't I wasn't in love with him. I watched some of his tape when I was uh, when I was researching for my for my Debbie drafts last year, and I just didn't love him. I was on the fence. He was like right on the right on the edge for me. I ended up going another direction. Obviously, regret that now. But yeah, so so he comes he comes out of, out of high school, almost quit uh, playing for Wallace Wallace Rose Hill, which is a really small school in a really small town. Um, he, uh, he, he didn't, he wasn't a running back though. He was a linebacker and, uh, and in a little on the smaller side, you know, it was short. Um, yeah, it was good. Put up, you know, a hundred plus tackles a year, solo tackles. Um, was, was definitely a high energy guy, but just, just didn't have, didn't have enough to, to get those, those power five, um, offers. And he didn't get any either after his junior year, he had, he had uh, he had a couple uh, group of five and a really smart valedictorian of his high school. So he had he had some Ivy League offers, and he almost took those. He almost walked out. He almost walked away from football. And then his coach decided, you know what? He's got everything that you want in a linebacker, you know, mentality wise. But it's it's very similar to what you want in a running back. So he moved him to running back. He ended up getting the North Carolina offer that he wanted. And, you know, obviously the rest is history. But um, one of the things that, that really helped him, it also helped his, his counterpart, was uh, having Michael Carter along, along his side and, and working with him and, and trying to make each other better players. Um, and, and so, um, and, you know, the number, one, the number one most important athletic measurement for running back is your broad jump. If, if when you have a, a running back that measures above the 65th percentile on broad jump, you have a 30% increase in total yards, total yards on average per season over your over a career. Um, it's 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 a massive um, group to that includes Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Chris Carson, Nick Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey. Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor. What do you think that speaks to? You think that speaks to explosion and, and the, the power you can create with your lower, lower body, body explosiveness, driving forward, driving forward in the pile, in the trenches, and ability ability to create power from the ground up. Um, and, and again, all this is going to be uh, encapsulated in my uh, post-pro day uh, model series of articles, which are going to come out probably a week or so. Uh, Wes, I'll have to connect with you and, and you can help me uh, with that. I'll show you all the correlations I have and, and what my model's spitting out. But uh, but yeah, so maybe maybe based on this broad jump, he's someone uh, who can who can you know rise even higher in my model. Well, another guy on that list is Travis Etienne. He's he's also oh, yeah. above, above the 65th percentile. And I'm not talking about just this year. I'm talking about over the last eight seasons. He's up there with with an elite group. So. Um, it's 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 something that you that you know too much time too much um, attention is given to forty times. I, scrap the forty times, throw them out. They're no good. I mean, unless they're really good. But but here's what I do like. I like twenty times. I like ten. I like ten yard splits. Um, but if you run a good forty, you're going to have good twenty. Those are times. hard to find. You you gotta you gotta connect they, with me. Uh, after the podcast. Well, what did I tell you, man? I said I said you know you don't you, you just wait for my. Uh, my uh, sheet. I'll have it. I'll have it to you really soon. I'm almost done. You can have guys from prior classes as well. Oh, I've got a database oh, for beautiful. you, brother. Beautiful. Look at that. We got to put that up on the site, actually. If you're a I, I was going to ask you guys if you wanted to put that in the draft guide or something, but I've got some insane stuff to toss your way. I mean, we um, could we could create a tool for that. All I have left, are, I, I've got to do the wide receivers. As soon as I have the yeah. wide receivers done, I'll have a database for for fantasy points. 
Okay. All right. Well, let's get back to the podcast. We'll, we'll talk about this after hours. Yeah. Um, so Javante, yeah. Uh, uh, and again, should be immediately a, a 20 carry back in the NFL. Like I, I see that so easy. The, the question was as a pass catcher, because there wasn't a lot of production there. But then again, you have Michael Carter alongside him. My, my pre-combine model has Michael Carter as the fifth best back in the class. Danny Kelly comped him to Austin Eckler. And you see that with a lot of his comps where it's these guys who are better pass catchers than they are runners. But his p- pass catching production wasn't significantly more than Javante. It was kind of on par. And with Javante, you see untapped potential there because the efficiency on those targets was at a really high level in terms of forcing missed tackles, gaining yards after contact. So, so I do see upside there. I, I'm not yet ready to call him a bell cow, uh, but what do you think about his potential as a pass catcher? Because we know just how valuable targets are in PPR leagues. 2.8 times a, a, a carry. So, and like, yeah, I mean, I think too, outside of the red zone, I think, I think with my college backs, okay. So we can't all have our, our Christian McCaffrey numbers coming out of college. We just, they just, they're, they're just not there. Right. Um, it's, it's, he's just that unique. Um, but I, I want to see a guy that, that can at least put up um, one yard per route run in college. And at least, and that gives us at least an idea of, of his potential. If he can't even get up to there, like a Kennedy Brooks at Oklahoma, I'm I'm concerned because I mean he's one of the most talented running backs in the country, but he's he's barely cracking 0.5 yards per route run, and that that just means his offense is just not his quarterbacks aren't even looking at him, man. They're just like no no no, because because they know he he's not he the the thing that's lacking with a lot of running backs is they aren't able to use the same type of weaponry they have as a, as a runner, it doesn't translate as quickly when they after they catch the ball. So some guys, it takes them a little bit. Something I see with Ramondre Stevenson is that he, it takes him a, a few steps before he becomes the running back that he is off of a handoff. Um, and, 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 and another thing you'll see with a lot of college running backs is, is the, the majority of their, of their receiving work will come on design screens. Now, that's not a complete negative, I, but you still want to see him do work outside of those design situations. You want to see him ad lib and 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 kind of adjust to work with their quarterbacks when they're scrambling out of the pocket. And we don't see that j- just quite yet with Javante. Um, what he do, what he did when Sam Howell would scram out of the pocket, he he wouldn't he wouldn't run horizontally to give. Uh, to give Howell a, a target, he would run vertically. That's okay in college. You can't do that in the NFL. It's 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 going to have such a low completion percentage. And he did work on his receiving his his route running um, prior to his senior year. He had a great guy to be like I said to work with with Michael Carter. Um, but it, it's just not quite there yet. I, I know the numbers. He he put up some good touchdowns and everything, but uh, you know that's that's kind of one of the things you got to be careful with. Got to hit the brakes when you get too excited about the touchdowns because you know twenty touchdowns one year, maybe four the next. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I I think I think that Williams is is definitely trending in the direction of of being called a three down or you know of corralling a three down role. I'm just. I'm I'm with you. I'm not 100% there yet, but I'm I'm definitely uh I'm hanging on and and thinking that's that's where it's going to go. All right. Well, uh and and by the way, uh Javante Williams his odds to be the first running back drafted uh in this class has moved from plus 700 to plus 300 just a, a few weeks prior. So, you know there's a chance, you know, a team has him RB1 in this class. I, there's there's rumors of that. But uh, let's move to my RB4, and then we could talk about your RB4, or maybe you even have him RB3. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later, Trey Sermon. Uh, this one's going to be fun. This is going to be uh, – we're going to duke it out here, Wes, because I know you're nowhere near as high on this guy as at least my model is. And that's, that's Kenneth Gainwell, who's a solid, solid tier behind the big three. And really, you see that. I, I have it a big three, big tier fall off, and then like a little three. With with Gainwell, uh, Michael Carter, my my RB five in my pre combine model, and and Trey Sermon, my RB six. I think you're RB three or four. Uh, but yeah, let's talk Kenneth Gainwell. And I, I, let me make my pitch, and then you could eviscerate it because because I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure you, you you've put a lot of thought into this. 
so Kenneth Gainwell, he's interesting. Uh, he opted out of the 2020 season. He lost four relatives to COVID. That's you know totally understandable. He only touched the ball 10 times during his true freshman season. So we really only have a one season sample size to work with, but man, what a season it was. Uh, he averaged 104.2 rushing yards per game, 43.6 receiving yards per game. And if you just look at the running backs to, to meet those thresholds, you know, 95 rushing yards per game, 40 receiving yards per game, you're going to see names like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Matt Forte, Todd Gurley, Chris Johnson, Joe Mixon, really a who's who of, you know, bell cow running backs. Uh, he wasn't exceptional by any rushing stats. He was very productive, but he wasn't, wasn't really exceptional um, by any of the, the rushing stats. I look at my model values. Uh, he had a, a better than expected pro day. Uh, you know, a lot of people are concerned. He kind of has like slot wide receiver size, but he, he had a really great pro day. And so just his, his receiving numbers off the charts. You have to remember that this was a guy who was a, a quarterback in high school, very little experience playing the position, 10 touches in 2018, 2019, amazingly productive number numbers, and he sat out 2020. And, and you have to think there's some untapped potential there. And, and that's how I view it. It's like, this is a great swing for the fences pick in rookie drafts where what are the chances he hits? The chances he busts, maybe let's say it's high, but there's also that like 10 percent chance he could be you know a true bell cow you know ppr hog and you really see that in the 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 comps he's getting you know you'll get a you'll get a poor man's christian mccaffrey alvin kamara light but then you also get devin singletary theo riddick jeremy mcnichols so if he's a scat back i mean the the value in that from a dynasty perspective from a, a year year one fantasy perspective not good outside of best ball not good at all uh, so he reminds me of Antonio Gibson, you know, maybe pre-combine Antonio Gibson or um, maybe a little before the hype started going where it's like, OK, Antonio Gibson all the way hit. But things were a lot less certain, you know, this time a year ago where he really fell into the perfect situation. And maybe maybe we see that with with Gainwell. Maybe we see that. Maybe he could be Christian McCaffrey light. Greg Cassell liked him on tape. Danny Kelly, I talked to very divided. He's like, well, he's great in space. I don't know how well this translates. I see the upside, but I know you hate this. So, so Wes, tell me, tell me why, why you're not a fan. Okay. So I, I think, I think I've, we've had enough conversations now that where you're, you're high on him and, um, and you know, I'm not quite as high. And I think that because of that, we, it's become a, a situation where it might even seem like I don't like him, but actually I do. I think he's got, he, okay. So here's the thing. He's fast and he's got a good broad jump. Now it's below the 65th percentile, but he's, it's the 62nd. I'm okay with that. You know, that's, that's not an, that's not much of an outlier to me. Um, so here's what I like about him. Um, another former quarterback. So, uh, we can see that with his route running, he's, he's good at reading and diagnosing coverages and, and, and working off of his coverage. Uh, he's, if you, if you want to, if you want a running back that can line up in the slot, uh, in this class, he is, he is the guy there's, there's nobody else that I've seen. Um, and I'm not looked at, you know, the, the, top 30 running backs there's there's 42 in this class i've not looked like at Felton them as a slot wide receiver too right excuse me i'm sorry and you like you like felton as a wide receiver not a running yeah back. yeah i'm not looking at him as a running back he's um i don't know if he's athletic enough to play running back to be honest with you he's he's going to take a lot of damage unless he, unless he's very situational um you know coming in as as a strict receiver out of the backfield um, I don't see Felton as as somebody that you're going to give a reasonable amount of carries to, um, but uh, I do I do like Gamewell though. Um, you know, like I said, he's got the speed. He's got he's got the explosion, that lower body power. I think that's good. He's got some jump cuts, some nasty moves. Uh, not quite as uh, not quite as agile as the as the guys at the top. Um, uh, to be honest, I've I've got him really close to Michael Carter. Um, so here's the downside. Um, uh, he's not even my top group of five running back. I've got him below Elijah Mitchell. 
from Louisiana. Uh, Mitchell's a little older, but um, so here's the thing. Let's look at let's look at at Gainwell's age. He's he's basically the same age as Travis Etienne. You know, you would think a guy that that is only has one year of experience of college experience. And that also just sat out a year. I mean, you just kind of get the impression Oh, he, you know, he must be, you know, he's coming in as a redshirt sophomore. He must be, uh, you know, pretty young, but he's actually, he's actually older than Travis Etienne and Etienne was a senior, you know? Um, so the, the, there's that, there's the fact that, you know, if he's not quite there yet, um, you know, he's, he's, he's quite a bit behind, um, but I, 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 I like his athleticism enough to say that, that I, that I think he'll have a similar career, almost, almost identical size to Michael Carter, but here's the big difference. And this is something I just, um, just came up with. So I took, I took wingspan and I cut off the arms, right? The chest width. Did you know that Kenneth Gainwell has the thinnest chest, chest width of all 262, 52 running backs over the past eight seasons at 9.2 inches, and it's uh, 9.25 inches, and it's 25% uh, smaller than the guy above him on the list. But the, the, uh, I think the, the second or third guy above him is the guy who I would comp him to, Chase Edmonds with the Cardinals. Um, but here's the thing, Cliff Kingsbury is going to present Kenneth Gainwell with a great opp- opportunity, at least the way it stands. He's, I think he's going to let Chase Edmonds uh, be his number one running back. And if he does, then there might be a similar path for Gainwell eventually. At it, but I don't think it's going to be immediate. It's going to take around the same amount of time for him to... Uh, acclimate to the game. I'm not seeing a, a, a situation where he comes into the league and gets immediate playing time like like Najee and, and Etienne and Williams and a couple other guys. I see that with Elijah Mitchell. But at the same time, I think long-term, Gainwell, he's a talent. He's going to stick. He's got he's got NFL athleticism and, uh, and, and that receiving ability. There's always going to be a role for that. Yeah, I, th- I think you lose me a little bit when we're getting into the weeds on, on chest width, but I mean, Hey, I, I think you're right on the point that this guy could be slow to develop in the NFL. I mean, very limited experience, but I also think that limited experience and, and how good he was in that small sample, having, you know, played quarterback all throughout high school, uh, hints at hints, hints at upside. And, you know, if you get chase Edmonds and chase Edmonds is an RB one this year, you got to be happy with that. He is going, he is pretty expensive. Uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, a lot cheaper la- this time last year. Uh, but yeah, let's get into your guy who my model hated, which was Trey Sermon. And the reason my model didn't like him, I, you know, I like him a lot more, but the model's not going to like him because the lack of production just wasn't there. And, you know, he failed to reach 1000 rushing yards in each of his four seasons uh, he got forced into a committee alongside Ramondre Stevenson and Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks, I think, outproduced him in both seasons. Ramondre Stevenson, I think, outproduced him in his last season. And then you see Trey Sermon, you know, running scared, leaving for Ohio State. And, you know, Tr- Ramondre Stevenson's in this class. Should we be thinking, hey, maybe this, this Stevenson kid is better than, than Trey Sermon? And then he's at Ohio State and he's in another committee alongside Master Teague. But, then he broke out before before an injury in his last game, and he had nearly 600 yards from scrimmage in two games on nearly 70 touches, and he really broke out in that, that bell cow role. So you really see flashes of greatness. You see hyper-efficiency uh, in some of the seasons on a per-touch basis. But, yeah, definitely dinged him for that production. What, what are your, Tell us why you like Sermon so much and why you're not worried about him fleeing the program and running from Ramondre Stevenson and the lack of production and the injuries. Man, you, you, you throw a touch of drama into the situ into the pot here. I don't think it was as dramatic as, as you're, you're making it sound. He was not it's running. Theater from Ramondre. We, got, we got an audience here. Yeah. I, he wasn't running from anybody. 
Um, what what he was doing is is he went to Oklahoma, which you know had a stacked room when he got there, um, a, a stacked running back room, and and he you know your model might say he was he wasn't very productive, but he was a very efficient guy. Averaged six and a half yards per carry over his career. Sixty uh, percent of his yardage came after contact. Um, he he was also big time in in the big games for his teams in the in his his true freshman year he was he played a, a massive role in the victory over Ohio State um, and then you know obviously he he pretty much guided Ohio State to the the playoffs uh, this past year um, you know and here's the thing is is uh, Ramondre Stevenson is a, is a good ball player so so is Kennedy Brooks. Uh, and you know, so was Rodney Anderson when in, in his true freshman season. Um, so you know, these are these are talented guys. And 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 when he went to Ohio State, similar situation. You know, um, the Master Teague. I mean, we're talking a guy that, talking about a guy that's in the the eighty eighty fifth percentile athleticism wise. I mean, this isn't somebody that you just uh, you walk into and just say, you know what, you're 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 the you know number two running back now. Um, but, uh, so he, one of the main reasons that he didn't just come, come over to Ohio state and, and just, you know, start running away with the job is it, it's not a gap scheme. It's, it's a zone scheme. And I think, I think it more than anything, it proved that he was versatile enough to go from the most gap heavy scheme in college football to a 100% zone scheme at Ohio state, uh, and, and still do what he did, um, it, it took it took some time for him to 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 look get his timing down to you have to you have to time your your cuts exactly it, you have to cut right on the heels of the offensive line with a zone a zone scheme and um, that takes time that takes time to to adjust and 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 you know not looking down at, at, at your 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 alignment's feet you need to keep your eyes up on the defense um, so uh, you know this. This may not, um, you know, you may, I may lose you in the weeds. You know, what I was saying about Gainwell is I really don't know what to do with that, that width of his chest yet, but it's just interesting. I, I, I just, you know, I didn't see that on tape. Like it was a big thing, but I mean, I just, I didn't realize he was that small when, uh, when I was looking at him, but, and, and, and I may lose you in the weeds with this, but the 10 yard split that, that Trey Sermon put up at his pro day um, is, is, is phenomenal. It was, uh, it's, it's above the 60th percentile, above the 60th percentile. You have a 25% increase in average yards per season. Um, and Trey Sermons was the, the fourth fastest over the past five years at 1.49 seconds. That's faster than Rondell Moore's when he, when he, his explosion, when he takes off is just phenomenal. Now he's a big guy, you know, six foot over six foot, 215 pounds. So uh, you know, he has that explosion and, and why he has that explosion is because of his lower body. Um, he was, he's also in that group in the, above the 65th, 65th percentile and, uh, broad jump. And, uh, uh, you know, so he's got that lower body explosion, that acceleration, that instant acceleration, almost to the point where when you see him run, you don't think he's that fast, but he actually is. He's as soon as he takes off, he's running full speed. Um, and, and that's, I mean, what's more important than the first 10 yards on it for a running back. So how early would you be taking Trey Sermon in a rookie draft? Well, that's the beauty of it all. So, uh, why, why do I have, why am I more excited about Elijah Mitchell than I am Kenneth Gainwell? Because I don't have to reach for him. I just let him fall to me. And I get him late. Now, I'm sure whoever's listening to this and Scott, you'll probably snipe me in the leagues we're in together, but, uh, you know, I can just sit around and wait for Elijah Mitchell to fall to me. And that's the same deal with, you know, I could sit here and I can say, oh, I've got Trey Sermon over Javante Williams and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter because guess what? Javante Williams can be gone before I even look at the at the the, the draft. I mean, he's, he's going to be one of the first picks. Um, I can wait on Trey Sermon. So where would I draft him? It depends on the group that I'm in. Um, if it's not a group that so I, I did a – I did a mock, a rookie mock, the other night with um, with another group, and uh, the computer snatched him up. We didn't have enough for the full for the full uh, draft, but uh, I was in. I was going to see how long I could wait on him there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I think maybe um, uh, 
try third if I can wait. It it it, it would really depend on how the running backs how they're falling off because it, it's really top heavy this year. It's not like we've got the the uh, this loaded class of running backs. There's a lot of guys with some 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 potential, but none when you after you get after the, the you know top 12, 10 or twelve, it, it, it start. There's a pretty steep decline in uh, in the returns. Yeah, so I I did a, a rookie draft last week. Uh, Najee Harris went one hundred and two, which you know it was crazy for a tight end premium super flex. That should be Kyle Pitts, in my opinion. And where did Pitts go in that one? That was just ridiculous. He went one hundred and four. Oh my gosh! And I had one hundred and six, so I, I was I was pretty upset about that. But but we took Travis Etienne one hundred and six, Javante Williams one hundred and seven, Kenneth Gainwell two hundred and three. Michael Carter, 204, which I was ecstatic about those picks because we got immediately after Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, Tylen Wallace in 205, 206, 207. And then Jamar Jefferson went 211. That guy's after his pro day, you know, shouldn't be even be on the board uh, or sh- on your board. Uh, and then Trey Sermon went 301. Like I would much rather Trey Sermon in the third than, you know, as much as I might like Kenneth Gainwell's potential early second is, is way too early. Michael Carter, you know, he just projects to be a committee guy to me. Um, but I mean, you could read more about Michael Carter in my rookie model article. Uh, I also talk about uh, Jarrett Patterson. Uh, I talk about uh, Javian Hawkins, Khalil Herbert, Ramondre Stevenson, Chuba Hubbard, um, Puka Williams. So you can, you can read that article to get our full thoughts. This is just, you know, let's hit on the top guys for the folks at home who hate to read. No, there's a lot of you. And then uh, in a few days, we'll, we'll be breaking down the wide receiver article, wide receiver articles already up. And uh, yeah, that's it for us today. Thanks for listening. Uh, and, uh, and Wes, we're, we're going to be talking pro day stuff uh, after this podcast ends for I'm sure quite a while. It sounds good. I love talking about some athleticism and, um, yeah, it, it definitely uh, don't need to try to sell everybody on, on all of our guys. So, um, you know, it's more of just a situation where we just want to get value and we want to, uh, uh, you know, try to, try to try to maximize the picks that we have. So we're definitely on the same team here with all these guys. And uh, I just I enjoy uh, talking about, uh, uh, you know, athletes and and their potential and, and upsides and things like that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.